1: What's going on, everybody? Happy Thursday to everybody. We got a great show today. We're going to be talking 49ers versus the Rams. A couple players who tend to stand out. One of those players being Debo Samuel. Debo's do a big game, and he always does really well against the Rams. Uh, So we're going to talk about that. Also, Nick Bosa and what he tends to do against the Rams. But before I do that, let me bring out my co-host for today. His name, you guys know him. You guys know this guy. One of the smartest guys on 49ers YouTube. His name is Rohan. Let me go ahead and bring my guy Rohan out. But before I do, let's let's drop the funky introduction here.
0: Are you ready? Ladies and gentlemen,
1: please welcome Rohan to the stage. Shout out to Rohan. What's going on, Rohan? How you doing, buddy?
2: Hey, my man, how you doing? I mean, I like the intro. You know, we got a we got a new intro. We got a a little hit to kind of start the show off. Uh, I enjoy it. Yeah,
1: yeah, man. I'm trying to get the energy up, and I, I don't want to uh, waste too much time. I used to run an intro, and then I'd run this, and I like. I just want to dial it in and get the show started for the people, man.
2: How do you like the new uh, layout here, man? Nah, I like it. I mean, you know, uh, second time now we on the show, I like this uh, the different kind of thing you got going on. I mean. Got a cool header there, a really nice one down there, and I mean, it's a it's a cool start. I mean, a cool layout. I like this.
1: Right on, man. Trying trying to upgrade, trying to improve constantly for the viewers that tune in, and we got a lot of viewers. Let's let's give some shouts out real quick. Johnny's here. Says good morning, Ryan. Smash the like button. Yes, everybody. Please hit the like button. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe. Stephen Beer uh, says Niners will light it up. Uh, will light up the Rams defense. I'm working on my reading. Um, every day I'm getting a little better. 49er Jeff says, "What's up, fellas?" Rajay uh, gives us the salute. Nice to see all of you guys. 49er Jeff says, "Rohan, the Guru, and uh, Randy Daytona here as well, man. Nice to see all you guys tuning in. This is going to be a regular show throughout the season, every Thursday. Myself and the Rohan are going to be doing the damn thing. So good to have you, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, good to be here. And I mean, boy, we got a we got a fun team to talk about. I mean, Week One was went as it is. I mean." And we got week two now coming up. It's just, I, I, that was one of the cleanest games I've seen, at least in the first half for the 49ers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't talked to you since the Steelers game. So why don't you give me your take on the Steelers game real quick? I mean, we're going to focus on the Rams primarily, but I would like to hear what you thought about the Steelers game
2: in general. Yeah, I mean, the number one takeaway for me was, I I said it yesterday, it was a strong start. I mean, the 49ers, you you can criticize them in the past, you know, for starting slow, especially, you know, early on the season in week one, you start slow, and then you kind of pick up the pace, be it in the game or even be it throughout the season. The 49ers did not start slow in this game by any means. Four consecutive scoring drives to start the, you know, to start the season. Kyle Shanahan called maybe his crispest half. I think maybe in his entire, you know, in his, in his 49er career. And that's saying something given the, the way the 49ers have executed in the past offensively. We've seen some offensive masterclasses, but a really crisp performance from the 49ers offense. Good play calling from Shanahan and then the defense. Five straight three and outs. you you forced a pick. I mean, it clicked on all cylinders. A really, really strong start for the 49ers. That was my main takeaway from the game. You know, you're playing ahead for that long. You're bound to, you know, have a have a solid game.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, I thought it was great, especially the opening script was, like, immaculate. It was perfect script from Kyle Shanahan for that opening script. So, yeah, I was a big fan of that game. And, you know, I I, I thought the 49ers were going to start slow. I think a lot of people did, and it's for good reason. It's not that we were being overly critical. It's just they start slow. That's what the 49ers do. But they were able to come out clicking uh, right away. And I think that's what has everybody, all the 49ers fans, myself included, excited about the season, the fact that they were able to start quickly uh, is a good sign for the season because usually we'll wait until the bye week before they start clicking on all cylinders.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I agree. I think that this is a good sign for the 49ers. Now, you obviously need to have consistency, replicate the performance week, uh, week after week, but this is a dangerous start to a team that usually starts slow. This is a very dangerous start and better than I expected for sure.
1: Yeah, man, it was great. Well, what did you think of Brock Purdy, man? I think a lot of people were, or at least I was, like you know he played what, eight games, seven games, whatever. He's won every game he started and finished. He injured his UCL uh, in the Eagles game in the um, NFC Championship game. Went down. You know the recovery timeline for him originally was, you know, they'd be a hundred percent by the time the season started, but most of us or at least myself i thought that uh you know that meant he would probably miss a game or two as he you know once he's 100 he'll start playing uh then when we found out he was able to participate in training camp it was all kind of quick i had my like reservations like is this guy going to be the same uh as he was last year is is he going to be 100 healthy um and he came out and he looked the same and honestly i thought he looked better than he did last year and the, the reason i say that is You know, he was good last year, obviously, but and, you know, he scored a lot of points last year, but he just felt more confident and he was confident before, but he felt more confident. He was comfortable before, but he felt more comfortable, had like a better grasp on the offense and not that he did bad last year with it. He just seems to have it all now. And, he, you know, it, it was kind of surprising for me to see him just pick up where he left off. What did you think about Brock Purdy?
2: First half performance was one of his best of his career. I mean, it's only eight games. You can say whatever you want, but I, I'm with you. I thought Brock Purdy, you know, when I said it back in March, you can go back and look at my videos and my tweets. I thought Trey Lance or Sam, or whoever it might be could have been the week one starter because I didn't expect Brock to be back. Obviously that died down in the off season. We saw Brock way ahead of schedule and this game, I mean, you see some, some small things that Brock Purdy continues to improve on things that he was good at last year and things that, you know, it's hard to maybe gauge an improvement in, but I thought that he improved on eye manipulation. There are a couple of times where, you know, he's eyeing off the safety and hitting an intermediate type of throw. And I I thought that those kind of things allow for the crispness of the offense to continue to exceed in such a you know in, in, in the quick game because the 49ers wanted to get the ball out quick, but getting the ball out quick, I think there are some misconceptions with quick game. It's not just dump-offs, check downs, you know, uh balls to the flat, that type of thing. No, it's it's operating the offense like the 49ers did, which is hitting these intermediate routes in the first window or second window with these some of these slant routes, some of these dig routes, some of these different concepts that allow you to get chunk plays. And I thought Brock Purdy executed very well in the first half. Was he perfect? No. I think I had him graded around a B-plus to an A-minus in this game. Um, might be more so in the B-plus range. And even Kyle Shanahan alluded to it, right? He said there were a couple of plays, you know, where uh, you know Brock could have thrown the ball away. It was just different coverage. Um, and some of the fumbles that occurred uh, happened with that. But overall, I, I was pretty, pretty, pretty darn happy with the way Brock Purdy played. And especially coming back in week one, when you didn't necessarily know how he was going to look, you heard about the limitations in terms of pitch count uh, after the preseason and things like that, Uh, a solid, solid performance from Brock Purdy in week one.
1: Yeah, you know, and and I don't know if you read the articles that came out lately. There's a couple articles that came out in regards to, I think the title of one of them was The Deep Ball is Dead uh, or something like that in the NFL. And then I, I read it and they were talking about defenses playing, you know, two high safeties. Um, in the back, and so because there a lot of defenses have decided, you know, we're we're going to take away the deep threat. We're going to take away the deep ball. We're going to ha- keep everything in front of us. I think that's kind of the trend throughout the NFL. That was the basis of the article. <clears throat> I also think it has a lot to do with how great the pass rushers are now as well. Like if you can't, if you don't, you got to get the ball out quick nowadays against these pass rushers. There seems to be a lack of offensive line talent and. A ple- like a ton surplus of pass rushing talent so i think that combined with the, the safeties and the way the defenses are changing their scheme to have two high safeties and take away the deep threat is changing the nfl a little bit in regards to the deep ball being taken away um, by teams and so for me like i know there's a big controversy i call brock Purdy dink and dunk and i didn't mean it as if he doesn't want to go deep i just meant it as He doesn't have – you know, he doesn't go deep. The reality is, like, Brock Purdy has gone over his last nine games. He has thrown the ball over 30 yards six times. He has completed two of those, and he threw one interception. You know, Tua on on Sunday did that same thing in one game, right? So I think, like, my analysis of what Brock Purdy does well and doesn't do well I think is correct. I don't think I'm wrong about that. I think the numbers will show you that he's not going deep. Now, you can, people can debate like the dink and dunk thing, like whether that's how you classify that or whether you just say he doesn't go deep. However, you want to word it. I don't think I was incorrect there. What I may have been incorrect about is how important it is or how necessary it is in today's NFL. What do you think about that? Do you need a quarterback that can take the top off anymore or is that a dying? talent
2: or need or skill set now this is a tough topic for sure and to me i think that you can think of it two ways because i also think there are overreactions to one game of football that can't be sustained over 17 games and when when you look at a topic like this what is the purpose of a quarterback potentially with strong traits strong arm uh you know ability to use his legs it's the the, not only the creativity, but the ability to create chunk plays. When you look at an offensive drive, the ability to create chunk plays releases less pressure on your offense because you don't need as many plays that you are executing perfectly in order to score. That way, you can have less plays to that you execute well and you can still score because you're creating more chunk plays. That puts less pressure on your offense because it is tough to fully execute a play in the NFL. But Another portion of it, the creativity portion, creating with your legs going off schedule, well, that is where you don't execute perfectly and you're still able to create a chunk play or a regular play. You know, And so that's the way that I look at it. By minimizing the number of plays you need to score, you are then creating a wider margin of error for yourself for when you make mistakes because you can create chunk plays that get more yards and obviously pushing the ball downfield provides you that element. However, 49ers did in that first half was different. It was just perfect execution from Brock Purdy. Uh, you know, uh it, from a good game, a good play calling from Kyle Shanahan, Chris Brouts from the wide receivers, and hit both Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel had good games. Christian McCaffrey had a very good game. You know, it was perfect execution for a lot of it. And I mean, there's still a good amount that they can clean up, but That's why it's so dangerous because the 49ers were able to execute to that manner and they can still get better. And they were dominant in that first half. And it's not only that offensively, right? The 49ers aren't just an offensive team. They're a very strong defensive team as well. And so when it all meshes together, you're, 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 you, believe, you have a strong belief in your team. And this also proved in a way that maybe if the defense doesn't have a great day, the offense can shoulder the load with the way that they played. If the offense doesn't have a great day, the defense can shoulder the load. Those are the kind of takeaways that, you take, uh, that, that I'm kind of thinking from game one. But also, you, you do want to see, that's why I'm saying consistency is important. You do want to see, is this level of execution sustainable over 17 games? Because you do want more chunk plays. But the other portion is the 49ers creating chunk plays just in different ways than one may anticipate a chunk play normally to be created.
1: Yeah, I mean, CMC had a nice chunk play on a run, right? Yeah. No, I think, you know, there's a lot more involved with this too. Like, for instance, Patrick Mahomes faces two high safeties, and that's why he dinks and dunks more. He keeps it underneath. Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo don't face that yet, right? And the reason why is teams don't feel like they need to play that kind of coverage against Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo. So they're keeping everything underneath but they're doing it against teams that are stacking a box and preparing for underneath. They seem to be getting wide open regardless though and that's, you know, speaks to the credit of Kyle Shanahan how he's able to dial up guys wide open even though the coverage is designed to you know attack everything that's underneath and he still is able to find success with it. So it would be better obviously I think it would be better if teams felt like they could get like Brock could take the top off. I think that would be better um, because then they would have to at least respect it. Right now they're not, but they're still having success anyway. So, I mean, I I guess I can't complain too much as long as they keep this production up. It seems to be more than enough. I I guess I wonder like what happens when the 49ers face a team that goes up quickly on them or that is able to have success against the defense and they're playing from behind and they need to score quickly. Maybe that's when we're going to see the need for it so I know a lot of people were frustrated with my dink and dunk take, and hey, I understand if you if you look at it as an insult. I was just kind of trying to analyze Brock Purdy's talents and his weaknesses. And I've said over and over again, I think Brock Purdy's talents is far outweigh his weaknesses. Uh, there's a comment in here that I'd like want to talk about, Johnny. Like this is something like, and you know, Johnny, you and I agree about a lot of stuff. but says he's talking to Melvin. Says I'd rather play mistake free with an average arm than a great arm and take dumb risks right I agreed with that 100% but i think the ideal situation is to play mistake free and have a guy with a very talented arm because it's not also it's not just the deep ball the arm strength comes in uh, to play it's also tight window throws um those 10 15 yard out routes those type of things but pretty teams have a lot of his yeah. success on the on the intermediate throws but they're in breaking routes in the middle usually right he's not hitting the 15 yard out because That requires arm strength. you got to get it out there quickly. But, again, so far, it hasn't stopped him from having success. So maybe it's fine. Um, But I just thought it was interesting. Now, I was really impressed with Brock Purdy. And as a fan myself, it feels good to have um, an offense, a quarterback that you don't have to worry about. With Jimmy, I was, like, constantly stressing on what is he going to do. I would anticipate a turnover coming every time. Like it, Jim Lee was really good if the first look was open and he could just drop back and get it out. Um, after that, that's when he kind of got scary. With Brock, I don't feel that way, and so I feel like that's the improvement that we have with Brock Purdy. Plus, he can create off-script if you know he feels pressure, all that good stuff. So, yeah, I'm happy with Brock Purdy right now. We'll see how the season goes. We'll see how far he can take it. Uh, I wanted to ask you something. Um, I did post on Twitter that if Brock Purdy wins a Super Bowl, it would be hard to write a better movie script than that. Um, I mean, could you imagine a guy going from Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in a draft, to actually winning the Super Bowl within two years? And then you have the UCL stuff in between. I mean, it'd be absolutely remarkable. What do you think the chances of that happening
2: for the 49ers this year? Um, I've said this publicly, and <laughs> I would love the story, but I've said this publicly, and despite a very strong week one performance, I'm not exactly sure how much my stance changes when it comes to the playoffs in, in a way, I'm just going to have to see it and have myself be proven wrong. But I I've said that I don't believe the 49ers are going to win a Super Bowl in 2023. I don't think that, and, and I've said before that it also stems from the quarterback and I don't want to knock Brock Purdy that much after a strong performance, like mm-hmm. the way that he had, but I've made the argument before of the rookie contract, uh, you know, rookie quarterback contract and why that's successful. But you also need a very strong rookie quarterback contract option. And I'm still, you know, we're still getting there with Brock Purdy. And the issue is he's a very solid quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But you do wonder whether those limitations that Brock Purdy has will ultimately thwart – the final step for the 49ers. And there's a very very small line between, you know, the final step and what Brock Purdy is able to accomplish because the 49ers got to an NFC championship game. The issue is when you're talking about winning a Super Bowl, it's not getting there. It's not even getting to the NFC championship game, right? It's it's you got to be able to pull the whole thing down and at the moment I'm not sure whether Brock Purdy is capable of doing that and whether the 49ers overall are capable of doing that. I need to see more sustainability with this team and I do believe there are a couple of strong teams out there that, you know, match well with the 49ers and also have better capability to potentially pull it down. Now I will say this, after what we've seen in week 1, right? Week 1's a, you know, week 1's a big overreaction week. We saw a lot of good teams look pretty darn bad. The Philadelphia Eagles struggled to compete with the New England Patriots, showing some flaws with how Jalen Hurts can play against cover one, cover three, those kind of fronts. Cincinnati Bengals didn't look good. Joe Burrow didn't look great in a rainy game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes lost in week one. Who expected that, right? And then Josh Allen. I mean, the Bills just, you know, they they pretty much – Floundered in that game at the end. They had that game in their hands and lost to Zach Wilson. Week one's a huge overreaction week for sure. But I'm not gonna take anything away from the way the 49ers played because they played dominant and all props go to them for that performance. On the Super Bowl, though, still still pretty iffy about it. And I I, I don't believe the 49ers will win a Super Bowl. They're contenders, but I don't believe that they'll win the Super Bowl in 2023.
1: Hey man, I love the honesty, uh, for sure. All right, cool, man. Well, let's talk about the game. How do you see this game playing out? Were you able to watch the the Rams and the Seahawks game?
2: I watched uh, portions of it, and then I got to watch it a little bit afterwards, yeah. Were you surprised
1: about the Seahawks' performance or the Rams able to – I mean, I think a lot of us underestimated the Rams coming into the season. I I know that much is for sure. I'm not sure if the Seahawks lost because they're – worse than we thought or if it's just because the Rams are better than we thought but I definitely think the Rams are better than we thought I think uh, that much is true uh based on what what I saw what did you see in that Ram Seahawks
2: game I'm actually um prior to the season I was a little higher on the Rams than the consensus I was I mean I'm still unsure just because you know you saw cooper cup injury you don't know exactly how strong that team is uh, top to bottom roster wise because it's a it's a top heavy team but was I surprised by the week one outcome of a win? No. By the the way that they won with pure dominance? Yes. Because I didn't expect the Seahawks offense to look that bad. I, I didn't. I, I thought that, you know, the way that they'd be able to establish the run a little bit more. And then also Geno Smith with those receivers against the Rams cornerback core without Jalen Ramsey, it's to Kobe Durant and Darion Kendrick, the 49ers diced those cornerbacks up last year. Um, and, you know, that's something where I thought the, the Seahawks were going to be able to exploit, maybe become a little more of a high-scoring game. But the Seahawks couldn't hold up much, in, uh, you know, uh, in terms of their pass rush. Their run game was—their uh, run defense was solid. Akers had 29 yards on 22 carries. Their run defense was solid. But I don't think that they, the Rams have a great offensive line, nor do they have great running backs, at least Akers-wise. Ky- Kyron Williams had a good game. So, you know, I, it was interesting, but Stafford was great. Stafford was amazing in that game. Um, that was yeah. something that was pretty clear. He he made a lot of tough throws. And also, considering the weapons that he had, I mean, that was a pretty darn good game from Stafford. I think the Rams, you know, I think that they're going to be respectable this year was surprised though with the way the seahawks offense kind of went
1: yeah step 49 K is here what's up staff she says the rams are cooked yeah man i think they're gonna lose this that's weekend. the but crazy part you brought that's up the, the line part. though you brought up the line rohan let me ask you this you brought up the offensive lines now again it's week one so a lot of this is overreaction but the 49ers on pff were ranked 24th the rams were ranked second based on week one Uh, But you said you don't believe in the the offensive line for the Rams, even though they had the second best in uh, ranking, according to PFF, after week one. Can you explain that more of why why you think that?
2: Yeah, I mean, personally, I don't really care too much for PFF grades. I think their statistics are wonderful. Don't really care too much about PFF grades. But a couple of things, I mean, the Seahawks pass rush I don't think is as strong as – you might expect, I mean, they did sign Draymond Jones this season, um, but they lost out Woods. I, I, I don't know. I'm not too str- uh, too high on the Seahawks pass rush. Exactly. Uh, I don't think it's that strong. Um, and you look at the run game. Cam Akers did not have a good game at all. But when you talk about the 49ers offensive line, do I think they're going to be around 24 this season? No. But do I think the the Rams offensive line is going to be at two? No, no I, I think that it'll more so even out to where the 49ers ultimately eclipse the Rams. And I think you're also going to see a bit of that this week and that I do think the that Matthew Stafford's going to have a tough time getting you know some of those downfield shots off and might have to resort to more of a quick game. In fact, last year when you saw the 49ers face the Rams, they they implemented the quick game early and that shut down their offense because the 49ers were so sound at tackling with their linebacker core because they, they were that scared of the 49ers defensive line and the way that they were able to dial up pressure. And so to me, do I think that what week one said, at least what PFF says about the two lines is accurate coming from week one? Not necessarily. I mean, again, it's one game. Now, you can you can raise concerns about the 49ers off, uh, offensive line because I do think that right side did not have a good game in week one. I thought Colton McKivitz did not look good. I also thought Spencer Burford had a pretty rough start. Um, you know, the left side was pretty solid, both in run blocking and in in pass pro. I thought, you know, that, that side was fine. But the right side, you can raise concerns. Still, I'm not that worried about the Rams offensive line being as good as what uh, grades might indicate in week one.
1: Yeah, so since we're talking about pass rush and and the Rams' offensive line, uh, I think it's good to bring this up, Nick Bosa versus the Rams. Uh, Over the last five games, he's had six and a half sacks. He wasn't able to get any sacks um, on Sunday against the Steelers, being that he was – I think it was mainly just because he was back, but he did create quite a a lot of pressure. How do you see Nick Bosa? Do you think Nick Bosa will be more Nick Bosa this week? Uh, Do you anticipate him actually getting all the way to Stafford?
2: Uh, I think Nick bosa I mean I think he's going to just have uh you know he'll he'll be as he was in in the uh, in, in game in week one I think Nick Bosa's just when you look at this defensive line it was very impressive and Nick bosa combined with the guys on the interior I think that that's gonna you know create a pretty pretty favorable matchup I know Nick bosa had zero sacks in week one. I believe he had four pressures and a 25.9% win rate, according to PFF, you know, because he didn't rush them. He didn't have as many pass rushing snaps. I believe he only had 16 pass rushing snaps. And so the way that he was able to consistently get after the quarterback in, in a limited, you know, in a limited capacity was pretty good. And he also got double teamed, I believe, and maybe 43% of the snaps that he was out there this week. Probably, you know, you get a little more snaps, but I think the 49ers are going to be a little more creative now with Nick Bosa. You saw him primarily line up on the outside in this week, but you've seen them in the past, you know, move him to the interior, move him, maybe even create those five D defensive line fronts. You, you'll see him, I think, be a little more creative and move to both sides. And I think Nick Bosa, regardless of whether he gets a sack or not, his impact is definitely going to be felt in week two, both in the run and the pass And you're going to see another pretty, probably pretty dominant output for the 49ers uh, with their defensive line. Now the Rams, like I said, they might operate with a quick game, just not let Stafford try and get hit as much, which might just lead to a lot more open field tackling and a lot more punts and quicker drives and things like that, or more longer drives for the Rams in trying to get a touchdown. But I, I do think the defensive line and Nick Bosa leading it is going to have a pretty solid game again.
1: Yeah, I think what we're going to see this year compared to last year is it's not going to just be the Nick Bosa show by himself. Now he's going to create uh, – he's going to get his, obviously. And he, but he's I think he's also going to create opportunities, and he has before. But I think now Drake Jackson is a lot better than people anticipated. I think he's going to have a great year. Uh, Javon Hargrave and Armstead are creating pressure up the middle. Armstead by himself with no other real interior pass rusher It was hard for him to do that. But now you got Hargrave who's getting double teamed uh, more than – he got double teamed more than Bosa uh, this past Sunday. So I think having Hargrave is helping Armstead and Nick Bosa and Drake Jackson. So now it's more four guys working together versus one by himself trying to do everything. Uh, So I think it's going to be – the whole team is going to have a lot more sacks this year than they did in previous years I don't know if Nick Bosa will what do you have 19
2: last year right something like that yeah 19 19 and a half something like that
1: (laughs) yeah I don't know if he'll get to that point again but I think the team overall is going to have more sacks as a unit uh, which I think is great and I I would anticipate they have five sacks this weekend that's my guess I think I honestly think on Sunday they'll have five sacks against uh, Stafford Stafford is not very elusive at all and uh, if they can, you know, like you said, if they don't 100% rely on the quick game screens, etc., I think you can expect the 49ers defense to have five sacks. That's my prediction. Uh, let's talk real quick about uh, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel has 39 catches for 550 yards and scored six touchdowns in the last seven games versus the Rams. I believe he got injured on one of those games, right? So he didn't really play the full game. If my memory serves me correctly, mm-hmm. Um but Debo always seems to have a good breakout game against the Rams. He hasn't really had that game in a long time. He is in phenomenal shape, had a great training camp, looks better than ever from a, a physical standpoint. Do you anticipate Nick Bosa being – or excuse me, Debo Samuel being Debo again this Sunday? Do you think you could possibly get a breakout game from him?
2: Yeah, I, I, I talked about a similar concept with Vish yesterday. and my, I mean, D, I pointed out Debo Samuel, when you look at him against the Rams – The 49ers have utilized him a lot more because what does Debo Samuel bring that is very valuable against a division rival? It's the physicality and it's the energy that he provides that really not, it just kills the morale of the other team, especially when they had Jalen Ramsey, you know, over there. That's, that's, that's something that Debo Samuel looked for. He avidly looked out for Jalen Ramsey and, you know, looked to make sure he bullied him. Debo Samuel this weekend. Well, first, I do want to give some shout out to him in week one. I thought he looked really good in week one. I I thought I did. He had five catches, 55 yards, but I thought he looked really good in week one. And Mm -hmm. Vish brought up a great point yesterday that I agree with. I don't know if we're going to see the Debo Samuel Rams game that we've seen in the past just because of how dominant the 49ers offense is. The 49ers goal isn't to just hit one receiver. The 49ers goal is to spread their wealth out and find the open matchups, you know, create those favorable matchups like they did in week one, which resulted in a lot of output for Ayuk, a lot of output for Samuel and a lot of output for McCaffrey. I think it's going to be a similar game plan. And if the 49ers have their way, they're going to spread the wealth again, rather than maybe um, Debo Samuel having the breakout game that people might assume he want, uh, people might want him to have. But I mean, I, I'm definitely never going to count out a Debo Samuel huge game against the Los Angeles Rams.
1: Yeah, I man, it's always possible. I, I think you're right. Like a lot of t- these games that I brought up, th- this is in the past when they didn't really have CMC. And I think CMC has definitely uh, taken away from – I don't want to say value because I'm, I'm not devaluing Debo, but he does a lot of things that Debo used to do, and now they have CMC mm-hmm. for that. So I think he's his numbers overall will probably come down in general – Uh, It seems like they have ever since CMC got here, and I think it's going to continue to be the case now that they have CMC. Um, But like you said, they have a ton of talent, skill positions. 49er fans know this. You got IU, Debo, Kittle, uh, CMC. uh, Who am I missing? Those guys are the main four, right? Uh, So it's like pick your poison, and I think the 49ers have the ability to attack either way with those guys. Talk to me about Brandon Ayuk, man, and uh, the changes that you've seen in the growth in his career and how he's looked uh, last year and now this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, Brandon Ayuk is just he's a guy who we've known is going to just have this ascension and it's starting to really, really come. You know, Brandon Ayuk was the lone, uh, you know, week one receiver with over 100 yards and two touchdowns NFL or NFC Offensive Player of the Week. The accolades are starting to come. The recognition is starting to come for Brandon Ayuk. but we knew the talent has been there. It's just now he's getting more confident within himself. He's becoming, you know, he's becoming fully polished as a receiver in all aspects. You see him continue to block, you know, the energy and the culture fit of Brandon Ayuk was perfect. This is probably one of Kyle Shanahan's biggest hits in his career with the 49ers, understanding he was the 25th overall pick. But when you look at it, The one main gripe that I had with Brandon Ayuk in the past was making those significantly tough catches that cemented him as a wide receiver one that you see a lot of other receivers making. He had the athleticism in the past. He's had the route running capabilities in the past. He also has the best hands on the team, but you saw him sometimes not be able to come down with some of those tough catches, those back shoulder throws and things like that. Well, that wasn't the case in week one. Brandon I.U. caught all eight of his targets, but the big one was that second touchdown over Patrick Peterson, where he really mossed Peterson on a nice back shoulder ball from Purdy, keeping both feet inbounds, you know, being able to, uh, to haul in the catch, making sure that it was a touchdown. I mean, a really good play. And we've, I'm sure you've heard it. That play was the least, you know, it was that play was the play that was least possible to be completed in every pass in the NFL in week one. It had a 16.5% chance of being completed. And that play was a, that play was a completion for a touchdown and it was great ball from Brock Purdy, but it was ultimately Brandon Ayuk who came down with that ball in a very difficult play. If he can consistently make those type of difficult plays, there's no doubt in my mind, he's a wide receiver one in the NFL. And I mean, I personally already think he is, but you know, a high caliber wide receiver one, but regardless, I mean, this type of this type of game and the, what i expect from him this season is just suiting him up to get a pretty pretty hefty payday at the end of the season.
1: Well talk to me about that real quick. Do you you're pretty you're on top of this cap stuff. Is Brandon you going to play himself out of the 49ers or do you think there's an option
2: for them to retain Brandon Ayu? I absolutely think there's an option for it. Now, um their willingness to do it, i think that's the better question because Obviously, a deal for Brandon Ayuk is going to be a long-term deal. And I mean, I, when you look at numbers-wise, right, it, it won't make a big difference in 2024 because he's a guy who has a fifth-year option. So it's a, let's say it's a four-year deal for Brandon Ayuk. It's going to essentially be a five-year full contract at with the fifth-year option added on. And his, his cap hit likely decreases in 2024. The big question, though, is the years after that, right, where you likely can't shoulder Two significant wide receiver um, contracts, you know. And the benefit of having that fifth year option and adding the extra year is maybe you can show you can, you know, create a contract where the first two years aren't as big cap wise, similar to how Nick Bosa has an 11 million dollar cap it and then a 14 million dollar cap it this year and next year, because next year's year one of the extension. The first two years. Don't have to be as high cap hits, so you can shoulder in 2025 him and Debo Samuel. But Brandon Ayuk's like extension likely means that, barring you know a a pay cut from Debo Samuel, likely means Debo Samuel will not be here. Now the questions around De- Brandon Ayuk were: Is he going to be a good fit in this offense with Brock Purdy at quarterback? That's very, very clear. Brandon Ayuk is going to get his own and he's going to, you know, turn himself into a top receiver. Now the 49ers, the critical decision they want to make is you understand how valuable receivers on rookie contracts are and how, not easy, but how many nowadays are coming out of the draft. Do they want to instead flip Ayuk for draft capital, understanding they could easily get at least a first round pick for him and potentially draft his replacement on a cheaper deal? Or do they want to continue to try and extend this window and pay Brandon Ayuk with the understanding that Debo Samuel likely does not return either following the duration of his contract or he gets traded prior to his last year?
1: Me personally, man, I would, I mean, this is no knock on Debo. I really like Debo, but there's nobody on the team that can do what Brandon Ayuk does. Now, in respect to Debo, Debo does some things that no one else can do. He's like see him like a cmc but like a run somebody that will run you it's like if cmc would running guys over he doesn't really do that but debo will he'll run through and run over you but that being said i think you can get by with a lot of things uh without a lot of things that debo does with cmc but i don't know how you replace what brandon i does at least with anybody on the roster and i guess you could roll the dice on a rookie and, and see if you can get that from them and hope you can get that from them but brandon i literally does everything that you want from a wide receiver like including like practice training camp off season, his grind like anything you go on from a a wide receiver one brandon i gives you and i think it's going to be really tough to replace and scary i don't think that person exists on the roster right now um so it it makes me uncomfortable thinking about losing brandon iu but uh yeah real quick man we got some uh i want to pay the bills 24 seconds and then we'll be Right back, and we'll preview more of this game. Give me one. Give me 24 seconds, guys. What's going on, guys? This is Ryan Hensley, man. Just wanted to remind you that I am a real estate broker and mortgage lender in the state of California. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home anytime soon, please reach out. If you go to the details in the description, you can schedule an appointment with me by clicking on the link. I would love to help you and your family. Please reach out. Now back to the show. All right, Rohan. So look, the 49ers play the Rams on Sunday. How do you see this game playing out, big picture? And we'll we'll dive into more of the details,
2: but how do you see it playing out? Big picture dominance. Um, I honestly don't believe that. I think, like, that's why I fired out a tweet yesterday talking. uh, I saw the line at eight and a half points. And that's why I said it was astounding. You know, you're talking about a team that just came off a 13 to 30, 30 to 13 win on the road against a division rival. They're coming home and now they're eight and a half point favorites that just showcases how strongly not only, you know, local media, but also the entirety of, you know, the entirety of the world views the 49ers they're, they're coming on the road in this game and they're favored by that many points. Because people expect a blowout for the 49ers, and unfortunately, when you look at the 49ers and the Rams, the 49ers have consistently had their number. It's Kyle Shanahan having you know the edge on uh, on Sean McVay, but it's also just the way that they match up. When you look at the way the 49ers have been able to defeat the Rams, they've been able to neutralize Aaron Donald, who still gets his own every game, but they've been able to neutralize him enough while also you know incorporating the entirety of their team, utilizing the quick game, getting the ball out, and getting their playmakers in space. It's the similar, it's a very similar game plan to the one that they normally operate. And it just works to perfection against this team. They have their number and they've been able to consistently, you know, game plan and execute against the Rams. When you look at the the, the majority of this team, I, I just don't see how the Rams are going to have a great matchup in this one. The defensive line, I think smothers the offensive line and we'll get into more of that. But my main answer is dominance.
1: Yeah. I think the 49ers win this one. Um, Pretty easily. I think I have the Rams scoring more than most people. Uh, you know, I, I posted my score prediction already and people are like, what? And like, people get mad about everything, but I had 31, 23, 49 okay. I have the Rams scoring two touchdowns and three field goals. And people thought that was way too much. And I, Hey, maybe it is, maybe I'm wrong. Um, But I was really impressed with Matt Stafford, man. He looked like Stafford from the Super Bowl year, the year that he won the Super Bowl. That's what Matt Stafford looked like to me. He looks fully back, fully healthy. He looked like the Matthew Stafford from two years ago. So I think they're going to be effective, especially with these young wide receivers. Um, Again, I have the 49ers winning. What did you think of the receivers? I mean, I drafted Cooper Cup third overall, uh, and now he's on IR. That was really dumb of me. I didn't do my research, but I still won my matchup. Shout out to Steph 49K. We I, we just played each other week one. And oh. I was able to get the W. <laughs> Shout out to Steph. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I'll see you next time, Steph. Uh, but, anyways, that's without Cooper Cup. He's on the IR, and the the Rams look really good from the passing game. Stafford had over 300 yards. I think it was like 320, something like that. Um, he didn't score a lot of touchdowns. That's because they got to the goal line with the passing yeah. game, and then they ran it in from, like, to two-yard line, like, three times. Uh, but, I overall, I think – Matt Stafford looks great, and those young wide receivers that they have over there uh, look good as well. So I got them putting up 23 points. What do you think about that prediction?
2: I I do think that um, my prediction will likely include a little less for the Rams. I, I, I like what they have, and I think Matthew Stafford is very good. I just think that this is an ultimately a completely different matchup than what the 49ers had, or sorry, what the what the Rams had in week one. I I don't see how the the Rams offensive line is going to contain this 49ers front, and we saw Steve Wilkes be aggressive early in the game. I don't know the exact blitz rate, but he he was aggressive. He blitzed a little more uh, early on than he did later in the game when the 49ers had a comfortable lead. I, I think that if you see the aggressiveness that the 49ers are going to play with, barring any unexpected you know uh, coverage busts, it's going to be hard because they're going to smother the Rams early, force them to, uh, into deep passing situations, and then utilize their defensive line to get there. And when you talk about the Rams' young receivers – They're talented. I think Puka Nakua um, and Tutu Atwell, you got a really good speed threat in Atwell. you got also a pretty solid option, uh, a more physical body in Puka Nakua. But Atwell, the issue with him, I I do think – I wonder how he'll play against this defense, a press man kind of defense, especially if he goes up against Traverius Ward because he's smaller. I, I, I wonder how well his press releases are going to work against a guy like Traverius Ward who is pretty, pretty well experienced in that press man type of scheme. It's more so when you play the off coverage against a a speed threat like that, when you allow him to operate, that's where you might see some of the bigger gains for Tutu Atwell. Pukunukua, another solid receiver there. But I I don't know if the Rams are just going to be able to move the ball as well as they can, understanding what the 49ers have up front versus the Rams' offensive line.
1: Yeah, I anticipate Stafford passing. I think he's Mm -hmm. going to have 45 passing attempts on Sunday. Yeah, I I wouldn't
2: be surprised, yeah.
1: Yeah, I really think that's what's going to happen because I don't think their run game is effective and I don't think they're going to tr- they're going to have to keep up with the 49ers offense who I think is going to do well. So I think that you know, I think Stafford's probably going to throw at least one interception. He didn't throw any on uh Sunday and he typically does throw quite a bit of interceptions. I think the 49ers defense is going to get some of that. So I, I predict that Matthew Stafford's going to throw one interception. But he's going to pass 45 times because hes they're going to be desperate to put up points. And I think they're I think they going to score more than 49er fans think. But, again, I could be wrong. I thought the Steelers game was going to be close, and that, that didn't work out either. So we'll see. I know we have a super chat in here from 4 Life Niner who says, I'll give you my score for the game when we win. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's really bold of you. Uh, shout out to uh, you for giving a super chat on Vicious Channel. Again, I can't get super chats until, like, November. Um, yeah. So if you guys want to give them out, give them to this man. You got to go to his channel and watch in order to do so. And Rohan, we made the the a, a big mistake today. You know what it was? What happened? We we went live the same time as Grant Cole and the coach. So oh. that's why a lot of viewers are down. But I appreciate those that are here watching despite Grant being on. Because usually, I, I don't mind streaming when everyone else is on. I try to avoid Jesse, and I, but I definitely don't want to do it when Grant's on because everyone goes over there. But Looks like he's giving a film breakdown with the coach. So after you're done watching this, go check out Grant's show. And maybe some of those guys will come over here when they're done. Um, But yeah, man, uh, back to this game. Uh, Your prediction is what? Do you have a score prediction for this game?
2: Uh, I'm not. Like I normally say, I'm not a huge fan of the score predictions. I'll go ahead and throw one out just Mm -hmm. because I don't really care. Um, I'll say around 31, 14 or 31, 13. That's kind of a, uh, the way that I look at it. Um, one of those two um, somewhere around there. I do think it's going to be pretty dominant for the 49ers. One of the touchdowns I'm expecting, or, you know, at least one of the scores won't necessarily say touchdown. I do expect, you know, maybe one defensive lapse for the 49ers that results in a big play for, for Stafford and results in a big play for um, the Rams. But I do think that overall their defense should still be pretty sound. And I think the offense should have their will against the, uh, against the Rams corners. I mean, uh, they've operated with a similar game plan uh, uh, in the past against Aaron Donald. It's worked, even though Aaron Donald's you know, still such a dominant talent. I think it's going to be a similar, uh, similar thing.
1: Well, right, yeah, agreed. And I, uh, right on, Fable. I appreciate that. And then somebody had a, a question for you, Pava. <clears throat> Pava says, question for Rohan. Where do you get your stats? Stuff like percentage of snaps, of faces, double team. Is it just watching film? Appreciate the deal- details you bring to the discussion.
2: First of all, I do appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in and uh, thank you for the compliment. The stats wise, I, I look at a, a variety of different databases. I mean, pro football reference has a pretty um, a good amount of, uh, you know, pretty good uh, stat breakdown for a lot of things. If you're looking at, you know, snap counts, if you're looking at uh, yard, I mean yards and some of the advanced stats, PFF, I mean, I, I'm not the biggest fan, like I said, of PFF grades, but their database with the amount of information that they have is phenomenal. And um, for work, I have a subscription there as well. And then you can look at you know, some other uh, sites, Football Outsiders has DVOA and things like that, where you can um, involve there. You can also look at team rankings. I think they have some stats as well. If you're looking, I, I kind of look there more for time of possession kind of things and things like that. But I think there are a lot of good sites out there that you can involve for football stats. I try and com- uh, you know combine different, different areas when I'm doing my research. And try and see how it matches with the film that I'm watching to substantiate what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Rohan is actually a computer, if you guys didn't know, he is a robot. He this guy knows everything. All right, let me ask you this. Um, are, do you have any concerns for the 49ers versus the Rams? Is there like is there any chance the 49ers lose this game? And if so, why? What
2: like what would happen? Yeah, I mean, if if I'm thinking about losing this game, it it's two things. Number one, the way the 49ers lose this game is if they beat themselves. If they continue, if they lose the turnover battle, which, you know, we saw a really clean football. And I think that, like I said, week one can be overreactions. I want to see sustainable kind of football, see this kind of carry over the first few weeks of the season. But I, I I think it's more so if the 49ers beat themselves, you know, um, start uh, getting behind in the turnover battle. Penalties wasn't an issue that we saw big time, apart from some a few blunders. You didn't see too many um penalties that were negating the 49ers, and they were also able to overcome the some of the major holding ones, false starts, or whatever, penalties, turnovers. I think it's more so the the fact of how they beat themselves, which usually goes to some of their losses in the past. That's the way that I, I think it happens. And my second concern, it's I don't know if it necessarily ties into the overall impact because I think this is going to happen, and I still think the 49ers come out comfortably, but it is that test for the right side of the offensive line, Aaron Donald. um, I was looking at statistics, statistics, excuse me, yesterday. A lot of people envision Aaron Donald as a defensive tackle, one of the best defensive tackles of all time. But the Rams over the last few seasons have been very creative in the way they incorporate Aaron Donald into their game plan. He doesn't, he doesn't just line up, you know, over the center, over the guards kind of thing. He actually lines up all over the field and he'll line up on both sides of the field, wherever the, uh, wherever the Rams try and place him. He had 24 of his 41 pass rushing snaps over a tackle in week one. He, he lined up as a defensive end because they implemented 3-4 defensive scheme. He lined up 24 times out of 41 pass rushing snaps over the tackle. He also lined uh, up one snap outside the tackles. And so what do you think the Rams are going to try and do in trying to create a you know a, a game plan that might be a little more beneficial to them? Is lining up Aaron Donald on that right side, seeing how he operates against Colton McKivitz and Spencer Burford. And those two guys had a rough week one. Do I think that it, it you know it affects the outcome of the game? No. Just like it didn't as much in week one, despite McKivitz giving up five pressures and three sacks, including the forced fumble. You know, I don't think it impacts as much of this game. But you do want to see test this right side of the offensive line and see truly how well they're going to be able to play over the course of 17 weeks. And You got two tough challenges here thus far. Cool, interesting to see how McKivitz recovers from that game, and in, including in, in run blocking as well, because I didn't think he had a great run blocking game either.
1: Yeah, man, that that uh scares me. Did you see that play on the play where Brock actually lost the fumble? JJ Watt just destroyed McKivitz. right? Ran right past him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He he hit, and when he when he gives, goes for a sack, he attacks the ball every time. That's why there's two fumbles on Sunday. He attacked the ball, which is Brock Purdy's throwing arm. And then Brock Purdy fell on Trent Williams' leg. We almost we almost lost Brock Purdy and Trent Williams in the same play, man. Like Trent laid down there for a while. Like it was it's scary. I'm be honest with you. Cause like I mean, you lose Brock or Trent, especially both. It, it's, a, it's, it's a rough season from there on out. So yeah, man, I really hope the 49. I mean, Colton McKibitz is what he is. Burford is what he is. I mean, Maybe that wasn't a sign of who they are on Sunday, but I still don't think they are some elite kind of offensive lineman. I, I still think they are, they struggle. So what Kyle Shannon has to do is account for that somehow with uh, additional blocking, some kind of scheme where it's not just Colton McKibbitts on an island. It's not just Burford taking on Aaron Donald. He's got to figure that out from a scheme standpoint. And, you know, we got to accept Colton McKibbitts and Burford for who they are overall, not that they're going to be – as bad as they were Sunday this weekend. But overall, they're not elite right now, at least right now. Um, so Kyle Shannon has to overcome that somehow. Uh, and it does concern me a little bit. The other thing that concerns me, Roe, and I want to get your take is our defensive backs. You know, I love Gibson, I love Huff, and I love Charvarius Ward. I think there's still some kind of question about Lenore as a nickel, and also Ambry Thomas and uh, Isaiah Oliver. I, I'm not sure about those guys yet. I need to see more play out. The receivers for the Rams are super fast, super quick. Matthew Stafford is a really good quarterback. I think it's possible if they can give themselves enough time, buy enough time, that they can maybe expose those guys a little bit. I don't know. know, Hopefully not. But what do you think about that?
2: I I, I think that it's a good thing that you brought up the cornerbacks. Now, how applicable it will be for this game. I'm not exactly sure. That's why I did say earlier, you know, I I do expect maybe one kind of coverage bust uh, type of thing that might lead to a big play for the Rams. And then they clean it up after, but the, you know, the corners, I I think is an interesting topic. The 49ers to me, at least, it seems like they trust two of their cornerbacks. They trust the Lenore. And that's why they, they're very flexible moving him from the outside to the nickel back to the outside. You know, they're flexible moving him if they if they, if they they want to because they trust him in both spots. They very much trust Traverius Ward as well. It's that third corner that's the biggest question. It's Ambry Thomas, who did not have a great game in week one. Uh, you know, he also got pulled for um, Isaiah Oliver, you know, and that's where you see Oliver kind of playing in the nickel in the second half, Lenore kind of moving over to the outside. Thomas is a guy who you're going to You're going to want to see – you're at least going to want to see from one of them. And that's why I kind of have the question, are the 49ers going to look to adapt their scheme to try and fit one of those players? I don't think so. I think it's more so that they're going to just see which guy can be the best fit and play their three best guys and see what what can come out of it. Because they trust two of their guys. But my other question that I'll piggyback to you is, do you think – it truly matters because the 49ers have such a stout defensive scheme, and also guys that they trust on the back end to be able to help clean up um, should should there be a need. But they trust two of their cornerbacks. I, I wonder how much how impactful that third cornerback is because I time Thomas didn't have the best game in Week One, and the 49ers only gave up seven points. You know, it's that kind of yeah. thing, and it was on that one drive. So that's my question for you.
1: Well, I think, honestly, if we're being if we're, if we're looking at it from a wider perspective, I think if your third corner is your biggest concern on defense, you're in really good shape. I think most teams yeah. would love to have their third corner be the biggest worry on defense. So I think overall the Niners are fine. I think as Niner fans or people that cover the Niners, we focus on, <clears throat> you know, obviously all the good, but the one possible negative on defense or worry on defense is that third corner spot. But I think overall every defense in the NFL would love to have that as their biggest concern.
2: No, I agree. I I think that that's kind of the the point that I'm arising to, and that if you're pointing out your third cornerback, not you know, not your top two guys that you trust the most, if you're pointing out your third cornerback as kind of the main issue, that's a, that's a good sign for the 49ers. And, of course, I, I think that there will be certain plays where you're going to point at them and be like – Maybe, maybe you find something different, but I, I think the 49ers overall still feel confident understanding their confidence in their top two guys.
1: Agreed, agreed. And then uh, Pavanate drops into your channel and says, great breakdown as always, you guys. Niners, 27-17. Yeah, that sounds like a good score. Uh, for some reason lately, I've always been predicting 31 every time. I think I'm going to predict 31 for the rest of the season for the 49ers on everything. It, it just sounds right for whatever, I don't know, for whatever reason.
2: I mean, that um, that that four touchdowns, you know, sounds pretty good.
1: Four touchdowns and a field goal, right? Yeah, it sounds like about right every, every time. Honestly, when I look at the schedule this year, let me ask you this too. I don't know about these Cowboys right now, but I think right now the 49ers to me have just as good of a team as everybody else, if not better than everybody else. So I almost predict right now – I have to see how they play against the Rams. But right now, is, is there a team, when you look at the schedule, where you're like, oh, 49ers are going to lose that game? Is there a game like that? I'm like, I think for me, like the Cowboys concerns me, um, and I could see us losing, but I don't know if I'd predict a loss. Is there any team on the schedule that you would predict a loss, like maybe the Eagles? Like, Do you see that happen? I mean – I obviously don't. I don't think they're going to go undefeated. That's not what I'm saying. But like, there's no team I look at like that's a. lot. Where you,
2: where, where do you think they're favored going into the game, and then you know that kind of thing? I think that yeah. that's a very good question. Um, you point out the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are the best matchup for the 49ers this entire year. I, I think that their defense. I mean, we saw what their defense could be. I think their defense is very good. Their offense did not play well in week one. They still scored 40 points because of how dominant that defense was. I thought their offense left a little bit to be desired. It's not that they didn't play well. Their run game was really good, but I think they left a little to be desired in week one. But, I mean, their defense is very dominant, and I think they match up well. Now, to me, I think that's the number one team. And that's surprising because we face Philadelphia as well. I do think that that game is going to be tough. And I do think the 49ers go into that game as underdogs, understanding that they're going on the road, whereas they're playing the Cowboys at home, but you've got a couple of tough games. I think I predicted, I think it was 11 and six, but then it might be 12 and five, which is pretty, pretty stark for me. Cause I normally don't go as high. I think it's 12 and five, which is what I predicted because I flipped my week one prediction after Bosa signed. So I'm a, that's what I'm expecting this year. So you you know, I'm still predicting five losses, but as for the game where you are kind of thinking where I'm going to peg as a loss, I think I'm looking probably Dallas is probably the toughest one. Uh, uh Philadelphia is there. The one that I'm might, you know, might have to change now. That I was thinking about from before was the uh, the Seattle one, you know. Me too. I, I had Seattle I losing. I losing to Seattle on Me Thanksgiving, too. but well I I, I want to wait and see. Want to wait and see how Seattle goes. And I I mean I make my predictions every single week. Um, and so we'll see where it goes. But that one was uh you know an interesting one where I'm not as confident in their offense right now, but we'll see how it continues to go.
1: Agreed. Uh, real quick, David Sir asked, When will Luter be back? He's on IR, so he has to wait till week five before he can be activated. I don't know if he will be though. Honestly. Is he still on
2: IR or is he on PUP? He might be, I think he's on PUP, um because Either way, I don't think they four. ever activated.
1: Yeah. Either way, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think it is week 4. Uh, I think you're right. It's it's on PUP, you're right. That is correct. Um, but he does have to he, can't, he has to sit through the
2: first 4 weeks regardless. Um, so if we're being honest, um I don't envision Dare Little playing this year. It's a redshirt year just like they did with Kalia Davis.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like even even though he'll be able to hit the he'll probably hit the practice squad is what's going to happen um, after he comes off of PUP. And, you know, they might activate him if they need him later on in the year, but I don't think they anticipate that right now. Um, so, yeah, I yeah. think – yeah, Rohan's right. Is, you know, is if everyone stays healthy at the corner position, they are they're probably won't ever activate him. Um, and then the last – David asked, do you think we can win a Super Bowl with the two on the right side or should we use the 40-plus available in cap and 12 draft picks to trade for a lineman? I'll I'll ask, answer first and then I'll let you uh, respond. Go um, for it. Can they win a Super Bowl? Yes um it, I, yes i believe I, I believe this team can win the super bowl it's it, a lot of stuff would have to go right right mm-hmm. um you know every, all, all three facets of this team would have to play well they would all have to stay healthy um they'd have to get a jump on people early in the playoffs uh mm-hmm. and Kyle's going to really have to scheme up protection it's going to have to be his number one priority can't just leave Colt McKivitz on an island against elite pass rushers because it could be a disaster uh, for Brock Purdy. So can they? Yes. Uh, I wouldn't trade for an O-lineman right now. That, that's the problem. with Doing it right now is tough because the 49ers run game is is, is actually pretty complex, uh, and I feel like it, it would be a tough ask to just trade for a lineman and insert him now and expect him to understand the offense. I think that would take some time, and you kind of need the offseason for that. So that's why I was hoping they would have – drafted dewan jones which is what i said but hey what do i know um but yeah no I, i don't think they will do anything about it. i think they're gonna ride with who they got um but what do you think rohan
2: I, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. Um, do I think they can win a Super Bowl? I don't think when it comes to the offensive line, I think the 49ers have now through the years of Kyle Shanahan's experience have found ways to scheme around their offensive line. They've made the NFC champ. I know I know it's the NFC championship game, but they've made the NFC championship game with lines where it's not as strong on the right side. You made it with Tom Compton there and you know, you could point to certain things in that NFC championship game outside of the offensive line that caused them to lose that game. Now, if you're talking about the trade aspect, I I have two thoughts on that. One, if they trade for an offensive lineman, I have a tough time seeing how they're going to play because of the reason Ryan brought up. Offensive line is one of the toughest positions in this system, which is why you've seen some of these. You rarely see a year one player come in and play on this offensive line unless they have a knowledge of Kyle Shanahan's scheme, right? Uh, Unless they have that kind of uh, that, that expertise. And so that's why I find it tough for, you know, an offensive lineman to, to be traded and immediately play. It's tough to integrate them back into this team. And two, I, also, I honestly don't think there's going to be a single starting right tackle available on the market. Because while teams understand that they can tank and things like that and, you know, uh, sell high on assets, offensive linemen, you rarely see them get traded at least good level offensive linemen, you rarely see them get traded just because it's such a scarce position that when, and also the the offensive linemen, it's not like their prime kind of disappears once they turn past 30 for a lot of them because it's not a position that always requires as much athleticism because you can be a stout offensive lineman without elite level athleticism and things like that. And so I think teams will rather keep their offensive linemen and try and build around that offensive line for a young quarterback or for whatever, you know, as they continue their rebuild. That's why I don't think an offensive line, it's hard to trade for an offensive line.
1: Yeah, agreed. I think, you know, you know, if you're a corner, I think corner safeties, pass rushers, those are those guys are easy to trade for and insert. Correct. And, it'd be, you know, it's not very as, as complex as, like, a lot of what are these offensive guys has to do. But that being said, David, you never know. I mean, who expect that? At this point last year, we had no idea that they were going to be traded for CMC. So maybe the 49ers do make a move of some sort in the middle of the season, but I would would be surprised if it's an offensive lineman. Um, All right, Ro, last question for you, man. Uh, What are the keys to beating the Rams? What do they got to do?
2: I said it earlier. I mean, the way that they lose this game is really beating themselves. So it's clean execution once again. That's the main thing. Uh, When you talk about last time, I mean, when you talk about, you know, not last time, but weeks that they've lost in the past, it's usually – penalties piling up then you got a turnover it's kind of bad on bad on bad that kind of kills the 49ers so it's clean execution um uh, other keys to beating the rams is can you know that smothering pass rush i think that that truly this is a game and we saw this i believe in week three of last year you can win this game predominantly with your defense this is a defensive matchup for the 49ers where i think they have a clear advantage i think that you know with that pass rush and with the way that you're going to force Matthew Stafford to make tough throws, which usually can result in a turnover. I think that's big.
1: Yeah, and uh, Jay Cruz brings up a good deal. And actually, Melvin is my friend. He's a Cowboys fan. Jay talks about signing Collins, the the tackle that was released by the Bengals who once played for the Cowboys. But Melvin let me know. I, like, I didn't know this, and then I looked it up, and he was correct. Um, it's not just Collins' ACL. It's his uh, hip. He has an ongoing... Yeah, issue with with his hip, so I don't think he's going to be a guy. He's probably going to be close to done. I, I mean, maybe not. Hopefully for him, he's not. But it, I don't know what his future even looks like in the NFL, to be honest. um Rohan, man, I agree. when's your ne- when's your next show, buddy? And um let everyone know the name of your channel. It's also in the description, you guys, so you can just go click in the description and find Rohan's channel. But let everyone know if they want to just hear it.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh like Ryan said, it's all in the description, but you can search my name up right here on the screen. That's my YouTube channel. You can also search me up, find me on Twitter where I release some of my takes, as well as on 49erswebzone.com, lead beat writer over there, write a lot of stuff there that, you know, for the guys that like to uh, listen or to read kind of certain articles, that's where you can find me. Show over there tomorrow. David, I appreciate you for being a reader over there. But show tomorrow, likely with Sunil and Marco, a trio show. So if you guys like kind of a roundtable where you hear different, different opinions ahead of week two, Go ahead over there, follow my channel, and uh, we'll be on tomorrow.
1: Yeah, uh, Rohan's writing was phenomenal in the training camp. Like, So I'm looking forward to catching more articles and recaps. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what's better, your reading or your YouTube. They're both very good, but make sure you guys are subscribed to Rohan if you're not already. Uh, we're out of here, man. I want to thank all of you guys for tuning in. You could have watched Grant which is a much bigger platform, but you chose to watch us. And uh, that's much appreciated. No knock to Grant. I I watch Grant, so I get it. Uh, But I appreciate those of you guys that, that did stick around today. Rohan, man, we're out of here, brother. Hey, good show. All right, buddy. See you next Thursday. What's going on, guys? This is Ryan Hensley, man. Just wanted to remind you that I am a real estate broker and mortgage lender in the state of California. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home anytime soon, please reach out. If you go to the details in the description, you can schedule an appointment with me by clicking on the link. I would love to help you and your family. Please reach out. Now back to the show. What's going on, guys? Not only am I a real estate and mortgage broker, but I also have a solar business. I can connect solar on your business or home in up to 31 states. If you need solar, please reach out. All you got to do is email me your most recent power bill to Ryan at RyanGHensley.com. My partner Tony and I will get back to you with an estimate right away. Again, I appreciate all your support.